Hi, it's Ian Altman. Welcome to the Same Side Selling Podcast, your source for integrity-based sales and marketing that can help grow your business. I'm joined by the talented Meredith Elliott Powell. And Meredith, give our listeners a little bit of insight into your background. Well, I am looking forward to being here and looking forward to this show. I'm a business growth and sales strategist. My passion is helping my clients turn all of this uncertainty into their competitive advantage. I love it. And and for most people, you probably have a sense that I'm probably best known for this book called Same Side Selling that I co-wrote with a guy named Jack Quarles that talks about how we turn those adversarial traps into ending up on the same side with our clients and prospects. And to that end, our topic today is how not to try to earn attention these days. Because Meredith and I have, Meredith and I have been talking about this. There's a lot of stuff that people are doing because they don't know any better that really is actually repelling rather than attracting their ideal clients. So Meredith, what are some of the things that you're seeing out there that people are doing that they probably don't realize aren't having a positive effect? Yeah, you know, it's the old saying, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. We all know we need to get attention in the marketplace, right? We need to get above the white noise, stand out from our competition. But boy, are we seeing people make some big mistakes. I think number one is they're just not doing their research first. You and I just got the same LinkedIn reach out uh, this week where somebody asked us if they could come and offer their janitorial services to our businesses. We both work out of our homes. I already have the janitor. Her name is Meredith Elliott Fowl. <laughs> Who cleans the house. But the point is, is even if I was looking for somebody, my, my husband is a dentist. We use somebody at his office. It, it, it just smacked of the fact that you know nothing about me. The sales call was all about you. So if I had to put my primary piece out there, you need to understand that getting attention is not about you getting attention. It is about you creating value so that people want to take an interest in you. I, I love that. And I think that one of the things that is often lost on people is when you say that people reach out with the focus of themselves, it's what I like to refer to as the seller has axis displacement disorder. That's where they believe the axis of the earth has shifted and the world revolves around them. And it's just, nobody wants to be on the receiving end of that. I, I love it when I get these emails or LinkedIn messages that say, hey, are you available tomorrow at 10 a.m.? Because I'd love to introduce my company and our services. And as compelling as that is, I always say no, and I decline their generous offer because they're not talking about anything that could be beneficial to me. And, and just the notion of saying, well, I'd love, to, I'd love to speak with you. And then two days later, they say, well, I haven't heard back. Well, of course you haven't heard back because you haven't raised anything that would be of interest to me, you're just talking about yourself. So what, what, are some, what are some tips or guidance that you have for people? I, I think that the, the point you touched on about doing research in advance is critical because otherwise you kind of look like a fool reaching out to somebody. In the example you gave, people are reaching out to us saying, hey, can I, can I come and pitch you on our janitorial services? Well, we have home offices. Are we really right. your ideal client anyhow? It's a waste of time. So what are some of the things that people should think about doing? Well, I think that um, I think that they should think about personalizing, but don't be cute. 
I mean, we've all gotten those reach outs where we haven't responded. And by the third email, you get something that says you must have been lost on a desert island. I hate those things. You don't know me well enough to be comfortable with me, to be funny with me yet. Yet at the same time, I had a reach out the other day where somebody had obviously looked on my LinkedIn profile and saw that I really love to play golf. And they noticed I lived in North Carolina and they'd asked me if I'd ever played Wade Hampton, which is a great golf course down here. And they just said, you know, if you ever, I noticed you're a golfer, we come down every year, we play Wade Hampton. I just wondered if you'd ever played that course. And it was an immediate soft connection that said you did a little research on me without being without being creepy and then they naturally led into what they were reaching out about which was dating me not marrying me which i'll talk about in a moment <laughs> Hold on. So i gotta know more about this you can't throw that out there and then just just walk away this this i gotta hear about well, that's another thing that drives me crazy in trying to get attention. Do not try to marry me on the first date. Like the way they finished that email was they said, we'll be down to play Wade Hampton in June. If you're around, I would love to connect in person, maybe even play 18 holes. That's dating me. They were not saying, have you ever played Wade Hampton? And oh, by the way, we sell, we sell widgets. Do you need a widget? I'd like to sell you a widget when I'm in North Carolina. That's marrying me. Yeah. Getting attention. It's just like, again, if I, if I liken it to dating, you're trying to get to know somebody. You can't go from zero to 60. If you have no connection with me, you can't sell me something. I, I love that. And, and I think that's the thing that's often missed is in fact, we, we just, we just ran a, I, I run these six week cohorts. We just run a cohort with people in the commercial insurance space. And as we were role-playing scenarios, as soon as we mentioned anything related to insurance, the inexperienced reps would pounce on it and say, oh, send me that policy. Let me see what I can do for you. And I said, guys, you're just moving too quickly. Just, oh, and how's that policy working for you? That's great. How long have you been working with that agent? Like you, you want to get to know who they are and for them to get to know who you are and where you might add value instead of that idea of, you know, I just think too many people watched Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross years ago and the always be closing metaphor. And they think that they should be trying to close every deal. And it's just, it's a bad approach that rubs people the wrong way. In fact, one of the things and I'm interested to get your take on this. One of the things that I often suggest people do is if you're reaching out to somebody, you can even say, look, these are the top two or three challenges that people come to us to address. You don't by any chance know somebody who might be facing one of those, do you? I'm not necessarily pitching you. If I've developed some sort of genuine connection, I can ask that question. Now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do a cold outreach that way because even if I knew somebody, I don't know you well enough to make a referral to you. And mm -hmm. I think that's what people miss is this notion of you haven't established a relationship yet. To your point, you're trying to get married and, and you don't even know this person yet. Yeah. Yeah, which, which actually what we need to understand as sales professionals is you have just ruined any chance of advancing the relationship. 
I mean, so if you don't want it, you don't want to move too fast because you'll do that. But I love what you said right there, because I think it's really powerful. Imagine if I am a cold outreach and you're reaching out to me and you're saying, you know, we do a lot of work in your industry. These are the top three challenges that we see most people in the industry facing. Here's some things that we've presented. You either send an article or a white paper or something. It is such a soft way to add something that's of value to me, but also get that attention that you crave to begin to really position yourself as an expert, which is going to open the door to the second call you make. Because now all of a sudden you've piqued my interest and, and I, and I want to go further. How does your team measure up against others when it comes to being on the same side with your clients or prospects? Find out at samesideselling.com slash scorecard to take the Same Side Selling Assessment. And if you want to learn more about the Same Side Selling Academy, visit samesideselling.com. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I often use the term earning attention. So people say, well, how do I get people's attention? You don't get people's attention. Yeah. You earn their attention. So if you've conveyed to people that you solve challenges that are common in their industry, if you demonstrate that you help other businesses like theirs, then now you, you've piqued their interest a little bit. And it's critical early on in the process to do what I call disarming. So the idea of disarming is I can't come across like someone who's just there trying to sell something. Because when I do that, nobody wants to deal with me. But right. instead, if I say, look, a lot of people reach out to us to solve these types of challenges. And sadly, only about half the people we talk to end up being a good fit for how we do that. I don't yet know that we can help you. But if you're facing those challenges, I'm happy to learn about your situation to see if we might be able to help. And if we can't, I'll gladly refer you to someone who I think might be able to. Would that be okay? Well, now what I've just done is I've said, look, half the people we talk to, I can't even help. So if one of those things piques your interest, you say, you know what? Yeah, that is one of the things I've been facing. Let's figure out whether or not you can help. And now they're actually selling you as to why, well, why couldn't you help us? And I think that it's a, it's a subtle difference there, but too often people call up. I mean, I, I love when I get calls from people in financial services and my, my phone system will alert me that they're spam. And if, yeah. I see, if I see it's a financial services company, I will answer it because I want to hear how bad it is. And it's usually like, we have the greatest thing ever. And if you don't follow up on this right away, you're going to miss this huge opportunity. And I go, oh my goodness, you know what? I probably won't sleep tonight. Still going to pass. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So I'm interested in your take on those concepts. I, I hate the um, I hate the push. I hate the urgent need. I hate the I'm going to miss out. I feel like um, I don't feel like it's genuine. I don't feel like it's integrity based sales and uh, and marketing. And it's putting it's putting pressure on people. I had one of those earlier this um, this week for a product I actually wanted to buy. And they were really, really pushing on me. And I just decided to pass because I thought, first of all, what you don't understand is I control the buying cycle. You don't. Buying a product or service is not a problem for me. I can find it anywhere in the world. And so can any of your customers. Google and a global economy has changed that. So the moment you pressure me, the moment I become uncomfortable, first of all, I stop trusting you because what you're saying isn't right. This isn't my last shot. It isn't the best deal I'm ever going to get. 
I'm looking for a relationship for a long time, at least the length of my business or not my life, depending on what I'm buying. So the moment you start to pounce on me, I'm uncomfortable and I'm going to move on because I am in control. You know, I, I love that. And it's something that I think is lost on a lot of lesser experienced sales professionals, which is that notion of we want our client to always feel like it's their choice, not that they're being pressured or coerced into something, because especially in the B2B world, which is where you and I spend our time, it, the, the idea of a high pressure sale and someone being stuck with it just doesn't exist. And right. so instead, we need to have that be integrity based. And I think that one of the distinctions here is that we need to recognize that for that client, we want them to always feel like it's their decision. And guess what? If we present what we're doing in the right context, then it's a conclusion that will be easy for them to reach. So for example, if someone came to either your business or mine and said, well, we've been having trouble with the performance of our sales, sales organization. They tend to be discounting a lot. They're not focused on value and results. We might say something along the lines of, well, for other organizations facing that same sort of challenge, it usually comes down to one of these three typical problems that they face. And for other, other organizations just like yours, we've had great success in turning that. So, for example, here's a case where these people went from 20% of their team to 95% of their team hitting their numbers within a year. Another case, here's someone who went from $5 million to $70 million in 18 months. Here's someone else who went from $17 million to $100 million in three years. I don't know if we can deliver the same results for you. I don't know yet know enough about your situation. Is it worth us having a discussion to see if we might be able to help? Who's going to say no to that? Right. Well, yeah, it's worth having a discussion. Like that's, right. that sounds like the kind of thing I would want to have. And it's interesting because in the research I've done with, with how people make and approve decisions, I've done, I've done this research with over 10,000 executives and the questions they ask when they're making a decision are what problem does this solve? Why do I need it? And what's the likely outcome or result? And mm -hmm. if we're not addressing those questions for them, we're actually lengthening rather than shortening the sales cycle. I, I, I would agree. Um, I would agree with that 100%. I mean, you really need to be coming in there with a really good understanding of what the problems are and be able to present some type of of solution for those. At the same time, what you're really talking about though, is the willingness to walk away. And I think that's one of the most important things salespeople need, need to know is that sometimes when it isn't going well and it, and, and they're really putting up a lot of barriers, then maybe it isn't a good fit. Um, I was working with a client probably about six months ago, you know, here we were in, in the age of, you know, really uncertain times, we all kind of need the work and they just weren't willing to go where I needed them to go. And as good as I am at what I do, I can't make that decision for my client. And if they're not willing to do some of the things and put some of those things into place and make some of those changes, I don't control that. And it's better for me to walk away. I think we miss the fact that when we say no to one customer, we open the door to so many others. Exactly. And which, which doesn't mean that we're telling reps, Oh, as soon as you get any pushback at all, you walk away. And, and I, 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 I know you well enough that that's not what you're saying at all. But the idea is that if you feel that you can't deliver the results that the client needs to get, then it's maybe not a good fit. And that's a good opportunity for you to say, you know what, this isn't the right client for me. It might be that you've got somebody who's just looking for the cheapest solution, not the best solution. It might be that you've got somebody who expects you to do everything and they don't have to do any work 
but it doesn't actually work that way. Whatever it is, if you can't have an equal partner in helping to solve that, you're probably set up for failure. And I think every smart business person realizes that a bad client just sucks you into the vortex of evil. And <laughs> it's just, it kills your time. It kills people's energy. It causes you to have turnover in staff. It's just really frustrating. But when you get that great client who's easy to work with, who appreciates what your value is, that's when you, it's like the, the phone rings. When, when you look at caller ID, you're going to have one of two reactions. I guess th one of three reactions. The first, the first is, oh, it's them. You don't want that client because if it starts off that way, it's probably going to keep going that way. Or you say, wow, I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking to them. These are, this is a great client to deal with. I guess the third option is who? Yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is what often happens in a cold call situation. Yeah, that's true. I think, um, you know, what I love about what you're talking there is that to kind of dive in deeper, so often with sales, and I know I have made this mistake, honestly, the high, the adrenaline rush is the win. And it's almost when a customer resists more that it gets more exciting and more fun, right? Because this is yeah. a game. I want to get you to sign on the dotted line. And I can't tell you the number of deals I have gotten to sign on the dotted line that I turn around later and I go, what was I thinking? This is a nightmare. So that sales is a discovery process. They're deciding if they want to do business with us. We're deciding if we want to do business with them. You should always sell from a place of power, not a place of need. I love that. And, and, and I'm going to ask you to say that again, because I want to make sure that nobody misses that, that whole notion <laughs> of selling from a, a position of power, not need, but just without me interrupting, just say that again, because I want people to hear it. Yeah, that when you go into a sales call, it's a discovery process. They're deciding if they're going to do business with you. You're deciding if you're going to do business with them. You should be selling from a place of power rather than a place of need. I love that. In in same side selling, we refer to that as finding the fit, F-I-T, yeah. or finding impact together. And the idea being that, look, the first thing we have to see is, does the client have a problem that we're good at solving that they feel is worth solving? Right. So that's the combination. So we have to determine, can we help them? And do they want to be helped? Because if they don't feel that the issue they're facing is having enough adverse impact to be, make it worth someone's time to find a solution, then why are we going to waste our time trying to pitch a solution to a problem they don't think is worth solving? Whereas if the client says, here's what happens if we don't solve that. Here's the consequence to our business. Here's why it's such a big deal. In essence, if we get to that place in the conversation, our big quote closing line or what, what some people refer to as confirming the sale rather than closing because we're not really closing anything the idea is that we can say something as simple as, would you like our help? Right. And, oh, isn't that a real scary closing line? But it's just, <laughs> would you like our help? What would you like to do next? Those are very much free choice type questions where your client or prospect gets to say, yeah, I would like your help. What does that look like? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think of the times that this has always mattered in sales, but now I think it's on steroids. Let's imagine that I sell a client and I talk the CEO into hiring me. I am that good. And I get in there and she's not really committed to what we were talking about. So it doesn't really get her blessing with her team. And I get a lot of resistance when everything fails. 
Do you know who's going to get blamed? Me. And here's the problem with that in today's marketplace. It is a word of mouth marketplace. So I have not only just failed with that relationship, I have failed with everybody within her circle because even though she didn't do the work, she's not going to say she didn't do the work. She's going to fall and say, we hired this consultant. We hired this trainer. We bought this product. It just didn't work out very well. So you also need to, you want to put yourself in a position where you're going to be successful because then you have just gotten sales that are going to reverberate out from that. And you're going to get uh, referrals from successful situations. I, I love that. When, when we deliver results, it leads to repeat and referral business. Yep. And when we deliver disappointment, it detracts from our future business. And I think too often people are so focused on the sale that they're not focused on the results. And you can simply, with your client or prospect, say, what would success look like? What are we gonna measure six months down the road to know if we're successful? And once you get that information, you then get to ask one of my favorite questions, which is, say, even if we did everything we said we would do, what might prevent you from seeing those results? Oh, and awesome. 99 times out of 100, what they will say is, their own concerns, limitations about their organization. They're in essence being vulnerable with you saying, well, if our team doesn't do this, if we don't execute this right or that right, which for many businesses leads to additional opportunities. Cause now you say, oh, so you're concerned that your people may not understand how to use this and get the most out of it. Should we include training on that aspect in our, in our contract? Yeah, that'd be great. And now, you're focused on the results. You're not focused on how do I sell this additional thing? You're just focused on the results, which is candidly one of the things that they're most interested in. Yeah, they just told you what their what their other obstacle um, uh, is in the way. I just had one of those um, a couple of weeks ago where we were working on some sales training, but the but their biggest problem is they don't have talent in the pipeline. And so we just added on a uh, um, succession planning piece. Uh, to that. And you're absolutely right. It was so easy to sell both for me and for them because they just opened up the door and told me what the problem was. Brilliant. So, so I just, I want to recap so that everyone has a sense. I find that this is often where at the end of a discussion, people look and say, okay, that was great. I got a lot of good information. I'm going to recap. And then I want to give you opportunity for rebuttal to cover the things that I missed Meredith. So I'll be That's putting you on the, on the gun for rebuttal, but All the right. gist is that the way people often reach out to other potential clients today is usually from a place of axis displacement disorder where they're focused on themselves. Instead, we need to focus on the problems that we solve for other people. We need to connect with people with authenticity, no, making sure that they have the ability to make decisions and feel empowered to do so, and recognize that when we're reaching out, we're doing so from a position of power, meaning we're trying to find the fit between us and them. It's not just a beauty pageant where we're waiting to be selected. We get to choose if they're a good client, just like they get to choose if we're a good vendor. So what did I miss? I don't know. I think you, I think you did a pretty good, uh, a pretty good recap um, there. You know, the only thing that I would add is just always remember that you need to date somebody before you marry them, go in, uh, go in easy and build that relationship. And as you said, really, really earn that, uh, you know, earn that right. And that um, sales is definitely a two way street. I mean, you need to understand that you can go in and be successful in that organization. And if you can't, 
have the courage to move on to the uh, to the next sales call. They're going to go into your follow-up system, which Ian, you and I will talk about in another show. Don't ever let somebody go. But, um, but uh, you need to be in that place where you're going to be successful so that you can grow their business at the same time, grow your own. Fantastic. Meredith, when people want to learn more about what you do and how you help businesses, where should they go? Oh, I'd love for people to connect with me. I'm a big believer. If you build your network, it will change your life. You can find me at my website, valuespeaker.com, just the words valuespeaker.com, or reach out to me on LinkedIn, the social media channel I tend to live on more than any other. Gotcha. And of course, people can reach out to me, much like Meredith. I love to connect with people. Just say, hey, I, I, I was watching this episode of the Same Side Selling Podcast, so I know that you're not actually someone just trying to pitch me something that would be helpful. And um, so on LinkedIn, of course, at samesideselling.com. Thanks so much, Meredith. And um, we will see you on the next episode.